I'm RJ Bowers. Betting headlines for Wednesday. Brian Flores, the story is hot, hot, hot. We got charges of racism, which we will discuss, breaking it down logically from our perspective, the Vegas perspective, and also maybe even more applicable, $100,000 for every tanked loss. What does that mean if there's millions, if not billions, being bet on those games? Speaking of billions being at Super Bowl odds update, Rams are holding steady four and a half point favorites over under 48 and a half. Here comes the four hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Wow, it's going to be a little dramatic day here. We got potentially being compensated to tank. And I mean, if there's any place we can say, well, it's not fair to the fans and you know, it wouldn't be. It's not fair to the players, and it wouldn't be. But it's now with legal gambling, like we've talked about, if it's injuries being suppressed, lied about, how different is that than insider trading? Right? Think about it. You got information you're withholding in a market when there's millions, if not billions, being bet. And now think about what's the analogy of tanking a game when there's that money being bet on Wall Street. It'd be like purposely having you shorten your stock as a CEO and purposely trying to tank the results of a you know the the company. How long would that guy go to jail? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to know more than their buddies. Now, he's got a cold, but he still is the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thank you, R.J. Great to be here on a day where a former head coach is the second to claim he was offered incentives to lose. Texas A&M wins signing day, still fifth in the title odds. And the football team is no longer a football team. What is the Vegas lead today, R.J.? What is the Commanders? Commanders. The Washington Commanders. I would have preferred Commandos. (laughs) Well, you know what just struck me when you said it? Comanches. They, I don't think they were going to go with anything Native American. But no, 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 no. I'm not saying they... I'm saying it echoes... I'm not saying they should have went with it. Oh, okay. I'm saying the fact that it echoes it maybe is what? A mistake? I don't know. Right? Because, I mean... Huh. Well, that isn't the Vegas lead. <laughs> we're going to start with Flores, and we're going to handle this one topic at a time. And let's start with the the um, accusations of systemic racism. Yeah, well, Brian Flores, obviously we talked a little yesterday, sued the NFL and three of its teams claiming racism in the hiring process, uh, and amongst other things, which we'll get to later on. Okay, so here's where we're going to present a challenge 
for the listener, for you. Uh, now, let's assume for the sake of argument that you had a host, and let's assume that whatever your position was on this, because everyone's going to have a slightly different position, right? Is Or variations on a theme, but there's going to be two camps. The camp that says, yeah, this is a problem, and let's attack it however we have. Let's tear it down. And then there's the other camp's going to say, hey, we want everything to be fair, and who's to say it's not fair? That's going to be the way they present it. And wherever you're at on that spectrum, imagine that your host completely agreed with you 100% from A to Z, identical. Now, let's assume you're on the side of tear it down. This is atrocious. This is more proof of what we've always known. The thing that would hurt or not help your cause at all would be for me to parrot exactly what you're saying. Yep, tear it down, blah, blah, blah. You know why? Because when it comes to big change, and this would have to be a big change, like to ultimately resolve this, a big change is required. It's not going to be a variation of the Rooney rule. It's not. It's going to be something fundamental. It may be as big as saying, hey, let's fix racism, <laughs> which President Obama wasn't able to do that. I don't think I'm going to be able to. I don't think any individual is. So the question is, how can we help move the conversation forward just a little bit? All right, that's the, let's start there with the goal. And to me, AJ, the, the way not to do it is to pay lip service to all those ideas and go, yep, 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 and then move on. Because at that point, no one's going to be convinced on the other side, right? Whatever the other side, you know, wherever you're at, if you're on the side I agree with, yep, 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 you're going to say, yep, RJ's okay. And then the other side is going to say, ah. Oh, I don't like that. With I like his picks, but I don't like that. And no one changes their mind. So what we're going to try to do is get to the heart of this, but with an eye towards let's just not nod. Let's really examine these issues. Okay? And let's start with, I think, a valid question. And I'm not saying what the answer is, but here's a valid question. What obligation does the NFL have? Does any individual team have? And that's an important point to remember. The NFL is a confederacy. Confederacy? Maybe that's not the right one. Maybe <laughs> they, it is the right word. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it could be. But what I'm saying is, what is the definition of that? Is the idea of these individual entities that are a collective? Because these, each of these teams, when the Raiders sold, or well, they didn't sell, but when a team sells, it, it's not a portion of the NFL. It's the team within this league of teams. Okay. So, to me, yeah, it's pretty easy to say, and I think it's correct, that at minimum, the amount of coaches sh uh, that are of whatever minority, but let's, black obviously is the issue of the day, is they should be commensurate with the number of blacks in the country, right? So if you say, hey, here's an industry that, you know, I think it's 13% uh, is what the census said, I think. Mackenzie, check on that. Uh, black Americans is, in theory, 13% of a given industry should be at minimum. That's kind of the starting point. Now, 
we can debate that, but a lot of people are thinking, well, wait a minute, RJ, that's not right because there's so many black players and thus maybe it should match the number of play, the percentage of players. Now, here's where I think it gets a little complicated. And AJ, I want to get your thoughts on this concept. I think that the number of black players should eventually lead to the number of assistant coaches or scouts or what and then that should lead to coordinators and should lead to head coaches. The question is and let's give the NFL as a league credit They've seen this by the rules recently, and I think it's just been the last two years, where if you hire people, uh, blacks at the lower level, uh, entry level, that there is incentives because eventually that's going to lead to having candidates for the head coach. Yeah, if you lose a, a, a black coach who's like a coordinator or something like that and he gets an executive job or a head coaching job, you're rewarded with compensatory draft picks. So, so it, incentivize, it incentivize. Incentivize to develop young exactly. black coaches. Because I think that's the, a valid conversation. I'm not saying it's correct, but what I'm saying is 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 – because the easy part of this is a coach that just got hired and got fired after three years got hired. So it, now we can say, yeah, they hire, but they don't give them as much of a chance. And, and I think all that's perhaps or probably likely correct, you know, that that's the case. Not that it's right, but it's the case. David Culley got one year in Houston. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I, I tried to read as much as possible. So McKenzie, who, as we talked about yesterday, uh, AJ represents the South here. Is that fair to say? <laughs> From Houston? I, I was born and raised in the South, yes. <laughs> well, you're renouncing your Texas. I, I'm just saying, I, I was born and raised in Texas. Okay. I like to say Texas, not the, the South. of Texas, right? That's right. Okay. And Mackenzie is uh, self-identified as mixed race, correct? Yes, sir. And also cousin Kyle Shanahan's cousin. So do the, you know, do the computations <laughs> in your head. Okay. So now, I still haven't figured it all out. <laughs> so... If I say, and I will say this about McKenzie, we've had a lot of political discussions, and he is one of the most reasonable radicals I know, is what I like to say. A little radical in his beliefs, but he's freaking reasonable. Even, you know, like the things that a lot of radicals are going to poo poo, he says, you're right. And then it's like, okay, now I got to take him seriously because he's kind of taking the obvious seriously. So when I say, I just said, yeah, Mackenzie, if you disagree with me, then it's going to be bad. <laughs> is if I say to you, hey, maybe one of the justifiable reasons at the head coaching level, the numbers aren't what they should be, is if we compare it to players, well, that isn't quite right. It should be viable candidates, and that needs to have a better pipeline. And the NFL is doing something in that regard. Maybe not enough, maybe not perfectly, but that is where the problem is, not the decision-making of each individual owner at this point. What would you say to that? Well, I'd say it's important to point out that not only is 70% of the players black, but 30 to 40%, according to the National Review of Assistants, currently in the NFL are African-American. You could say, hey, that's pointing in progress. We're going to have a bigger pool of potential candidates. We're going to have more jobs I would say there's a lot of open jobs and not too many African-Americans being hired at this current cycle. Okay, now that's fascinating. So you're saying the number of assistants is... Now, here's the question. 
how can this be uncertain, the number? Like, we know every assistant coach in the league, right? It's just interesting. That it's almost like how many, you know, how many, uh, you know, water wells are there in Denmark? It's like, okay, maybe we'd have to estimate, but it's like, it seems like this would be an objective measure. Although we are in a time where a lot of these things are changing. So, like, where coaches are being let go and, and hired. Yeah, but I mean, as of, you know, December 31st right. or whatever. But let's say 30, let's say a third. Just to keep it a broad strokes, and it, it sounds like it's between thirty and forty is what the estimate is. Again, of NFL assistant, it says NFL assistant head coaches, assistant coaches, assistant coaches. Okay, are African American. National Review is the source on that. Now, are they going to go high or low? I don't know. Okay, all right. So now, what I'm interested in what that number was five years ago, because if that number were 20% or 18% five years ago, I would say, huh, that's very encouraging. And and it probably produces the pipeline I'm talking about. Okay? I don't know. We'll check that during the break. So let me ask you this question, Mackenzie, is if you do have a league of owners and those owners each have to make their individual decisions. It's not like they're going to say, okay, guys, we got to have five, seven, eight, whatever, of whatever we're talking about, right? It's going to be each, the league or the teams decide who, I mean, it'd be kind of interesting. I don't think it's possible for a commissioner to say, okay, Miami, hire a blackhead coach, right? So that's all good. So now it's about the individuals. And my question is, Let's say that the preference of the owners are not blackhead coaches, because we have one right now, right? Tomlin, my team, the Steelers. I'm not going to take credit for that. I'm just going to say, is how do you fix it? We know it would be wrong. We know it would be wrong if their preference allowed them to be, or led them to be prejudiced, led them to hire not a fair share of whatever group, but in this case, blacks or African-Americans, however you want to say it, is how do we handle that, or how does the league handle that? It's very difficult. I don't think there's an administrative tool in the NFL's toolbox that's going to be able to fix the hiring practices or the firing practices. I would say that there's one coach in the, as African-American that still has his job. He's literally never had a losing season. If you ever have a losing season as an African head coach, historically, 100% of the time, you will be fired. That's, that's unreasonable. Well, hold on a second. If you ever have... Now, this is an interesting little logical thing he did here. Is if you ever have a losing season, you're going to be fired. Okay? Has Tony Dungy ever had a losing season for the Colts? No, it's doesn't doesn't work in the reverse. I'm not well, saying no, you're still. Well, no, what I'm saying it. is, I'm thinking Tony Dungy had a losing season, if I'm not mistaken, and he wasn't fired by the Colts. Definitely fired by the Bucks, but good point. Okay, but maybe he didn't actually with the Colts. I don't know, but I mean, but let's be honest, most coaches get fired in the end. And he he didn't. He never had a losing season with the Colts. Okay, but most coaches get fired in the end. So I think I think what you're doing, your sophistry there, <laughs> is a little off. <laughs> but but ninety four percent though not a hundred. Uh, well, no, but with what, the Dungy reference. But what I'm saying, well, but apparently he never had a losing season with the Colts. Ah. But it's Peyton Manning. But here's the th- here's the thing is, I think if you look at how the government handles this with companies, what they say with small companies is you they say nothing effectively you can't discriminate but you know if there's you know I, no one came in and said hey hire mckenzie because you know let's it was 
you know, hey, he went to Yale. So I, you know, I see blue over black. <laughs> but the but the fact of the matter is, with bigger companies, they do say, hey, you, you got ten thousand employees. You here's it's all quotas. It's here's some thresholds, and if you're below these, you're going to get some problems. You know, I don't know if how overt it is, but you know, obviously that is not a problem as much in bigger companies because they have an eye on it. I think it'd be fair to tell the teams, hey, listen, over the course of five years, you know, so now you're going to have all your assistants, you have to have, you should have, or, you, you know, you have to have X number of years of coaching from minority coaches. Whereas whatever that number is that's reasonable, then now the sample size, now the number's getting big enough. You got five years, you got whatever, a dozen coaches a year. So you got 60 years of coaching in five years. There should be X number. And all of a sudden now, this problem seems to probably get solved because here's the, or at least on the, on the, and when I say this problem, I, I mean the extreme problem of only one black head coach. Does it fix racism? No, but it moves in the right direction. Mackenzie, would a, would a solution like that feel like a step in the right direction to you? It would. And I think it'd be fair to the teams. I think that makes more sense than the current mandated Rooney rule, which I like that too. Because I like the idea, get them, get them a chance to get in front, and you know what? Sometimes they're going to convince. I mean, Tomlin was not a pedigreed hire. Nope. I mean, he was a D coordinator for what one year? One year, and you know, so and not even a great one year. And Rooney, the Rooneys have an eye for talent, right? So, and it was the Rooney rule. So I don't know how much they felt an obligation at that point, right? Because that was before Tomlin. But here's the question. How many NFL owners are going to not hire a coach they think is better because he's black? Or in a way, exchanging wins for whiteness. How many owners? More than zero. Why? How do we know that? I don't know that, but I would assume more than zero. Okay. Because I think that the problem probably isn't that. I think if they thought a black coach is better, they'd hire him most if not all, but I think that the implicit race, that second level racism of you're going to look at the guy, you're white and you're older, you know, use a lot of these own, and I'm not excusing it at all. I'm saying, but the thought process is, oh, you know, it's like there's always been in the 70s in the sitcoms, like a black doctor would walk in and like an Archie Bunker type would be like all scared all of a sudden, <laughs> right? Because at the time, and I think with the older, with people who are, you know, on that racism spectrum, they're going to say, oh, he can't be the, he can't be the best. He's black. I mean, that's what they're going to instinctually think. And that's a problem, huge problem. But how do we fix that, right? You don't fix how people think, especially once they're in their 60s or 70s. So how do you force that? I mean, hey, listen, let's admit there's a problem, but I'm trying to figure out solutions here. I think we were at this point with black quarterbacks 20 years ago. And isn't it interesting, do you get any sense today that if a black quarterback is clearly better. Now, the same argument goes with them, which is they don't get as many second chances. They get the hooks pulled on them early. The hook is on them earlier. But if they're performing, everyone's smiling. Yeah. I mean, I, Mahomes, I, you don't see the Kansas City isn't thinking, maybe Mahomes should be benched after no. this game. So, now, I get it. If you're on the other – or if you're on – and, again, I'm obviously playing devil's advocacy here for – 
the side that doesn't articulate themselves very well, typically, right? Which is, hey, like th- we agree there's a problem, but I don't think these solutions are obvious. I think that's probably a big chunk of people that are not cheering for you know the left or the progressive side, but they they reasonably don't want racism. They just want it to be reasonable, right? Or at least they don't want people's teams to be dictated. I mean, in a way, if you own the team, you should decide. But how does the league handle it? I don't know. Let's get to McKenzie real quick. Go ahead, bud. Brian Flores said on Get Up this morning that part of the point of the lawsuit was to change the hearts and minds of NFL owners. In other words... How does a lawsuit do that? Because his inclination... You cut out, McKenzie. He's saying that the hearts and minds of NFL owners is tied to their pocketbooks, which makes sense to me. Okay, so what you're saying is there's going to be a judgment, and then the judgment financially, and the judgment will scare the other owners into doing what, or moving in this direction. Yeah, whether that's an affirmative action league-wide policy, or I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, maybe. But just as clearly, I don't think it wins hearts and minds. I think it wins compliance, and if anything, it, it breeds resentment. Right, so the compliance is good for short term, it, but is it because how? Uh, the question is, what kind of compliance would it be? I think the idea that you had, you know, a certain number of coaching hours is is a or good coaching years. Or coaching years is better than the Rooney Rule because you're gonna w- well, with the Rooney Rule too. It could be both, but with the Rooney Rule, you're gonna get people who say, okay, we've got to interview a black coach. Let's get one in here and do it. Okay, this seems to be the case with Brian Flores. He had what he called sham interviews. No one's going to Which, keep again the Belichick tax. You know, he accidentally right. t- it revealing. And again, Belichick was in no way complicit in anything. He just heard from Dayball or, or whoever, probably not Dayball because he was saying congratulations, but he was saying he heard from him uh, about him and he was going to tell him. I mean, what does he have to do with it, right? Right. But having a guy on your staff for many, many years is different than bringing them in for a four hour interview. So no one's going to, no one's going to just poo poo. Okay. I'll just hire some random black guy and make him a coach. That's not going to happen. So serious candidates will be seriously considered. That's why I like the the idea that you just, you just presented. Yeah. And and the key to it is it can't be at the head coaching level because you can't. Now, what are you going to say that every five coaches, one has to be black of your head coaches because the Steelers still, it's going to take about a hundred, years to get to five coaches. But I think with the with the the idea that you had plus the idea that they implemented 2 years ago, you'll see more guys getting hired up because uh, uh, there's incentive. All right, we're going to call it the Bell rule. <laughs> Let's think about naming on this. I want to get behind, I want to brand this. We'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll get last and any feedback on this that you have strongly at RJ in Vegas on Twitter. I'll look at it on the break at RJ in Vegas. And anything that's insightful, I'll read. If we, you know, most of it. And when we come back, we'll finish up this conversation, at least for now, and then go to the idea of 100000 for a fix. Are these games even fixed? Maybe that's the word. That's coming up next. But first, he's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with an adventure. I disagree. 
I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at the other side of the Brian Flores saga where he accuses Stephen Ross of incentivizing him to lose football games. Yeah, we got a ton of content, so we're going to do the abridged version. It's 50 degrees. This is the fat in Vegas. Neon is chugging. And, oh, we're the fastest going show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so... Let's recap what we've said so far, because I believe the following. I believe that the way we've approached this has probably got a few people to say, huh, and you know what? That's the only way to enact change is it does start with the hearts and minds. And the first step is sometimes the hardest. All right. So if you're on the side of, hey, it's their teams, they should do what they want. There's no affirmative action. I think there's some points that we're trying to articulate that, a lot of reasonable people would be in sync with. Now, the question is, even if those points are valid, some of them, isn't something wrong? Because I think that's the easiest part of this. One, you know, in the very premise we started the show with is, should there be more than 13% with pro rata, as they say, the percentage of the population, should it be coaches? And I think it should be more because so who, how, do you get, how do you get to be a coach? You probably have to play college ball, almost all of them, or and or professional, right? NFL. So if you look at the percentage of minority players at the NCAA level, at the NFL level, it's much higher than one thirty-second, right, for the head coaches. Now we had some numbers that said right around thirty-five percent of assistant coaches in the league are African American. So now the question becomes: Is almost triple the pro rata good enough. I mean, it seems like it's the right direction for sure. Now, you mentioned that most most coaches go through, play, they play college ball or, or professional ball, but there are some, and Kyle Shanahan's a good example. Kyle Shanahan, quote unquote, played football at the University of Texas. <laughs> but I mean, he, but he was there to learn to be a head coach. But, but listen, I personally, almost no great coaches were great players. Right, Belichick, I think, played at Wesleyan, right, in Ohio. So I mean, it's like in typically the the poor player that's that's a thinker that loves the game, do are the best coaches. So I think Shanahan being there, going on road trips or whatever, was very valuable. I don't think I, he's I on do the too. field as much. But I think that there's a lot of guys who think, well, I was a great player. I did this. This well, should make me a a, a a head coach commodity. We're not worried about what individuals think, right? We're worried yeah. about a, a collectively. You know, what we know is that we've got to take it from Flores to the universal. Because let's be candid, the way he's handling this, you could see that even if there wasn't racism, that maybe he's a little bit uh, gruff. Now, you might say, hey, Belichick's gruff. And I'm saying he got fired from Cleveland. Right, he and you might say, well, yeah, but it's like when you win, tw- you know, twenty out of tw- or whatever, nineteen out of twenty years or whatever it's been, or I guess twenty-one out of twenty-two, he can be a certain way. But you know what? None of his assistants have made it. I thought Flora, I mean, you had an argument before the season. I'm not saying you were racist, AJ, but I said Flores <laughs> was a top ten coach. You remember that? I do remember that. You said he can't be a top ten coach. I said why, and you wouldn't answer. Oh no, what did you say? <laughs> I said he's, he's never had a winning season. Okay, and I think no, you said he didn't have a winning record because he did have a winning season. Okay, yeah, that's year, what I. Want. But he didn't have a winning record. So 
you know, and I disagreed. But this season impressed me too. It impressed me certainly. Yeah. I, I think and you I did thought come around on. Yeah, it. I thought more of Brian Flores at the end of this year than I did at the end of last year. So the th- problems that I see that aren't being discussed enough is I think that it's hard for the commissioner who works for the owners, who is paid by the owners, to dictate to the owners. In fact, it just wouldn't happen. You got to hire a blackhead coach. It's just not possible. And I think the government could come in and say league wide, you got to do X or Y. But now, how do you execute on that? Because each team's their own team. And maybe what you got to do is say, hey, everyone got to put in five million bucks, every owner, ten million, and then we're going to give it back to you per head black coach. And in some degree, I could see that working. There's a there's there's a problem. We have all of these uh, such a high percentage of black players without. The coaches, it just is a disconnect. It's bad for bit. Forget racism, right or wrong. It's bad for business. Now get hiring or pay. I could, as a businessman, I could deal with that. I don't think the public would like that, but I could deal with it. I don't think the owners would like that, but I could deal with it. But other than something so heavy-handed, I think you got to get the funnel of talent. Flush. You got to get as, as, as full as possible. The league's incentivizing that with the whole. Hey, if you get one hired to hire, if you get a, my, is it just black or minority? A minority coach hire. You know, because here's the thing. Maybe some women out there are saying, "Well, what about the women? Where's the women coaches?" And the same thing that allows us to say, "Well, there's not a lot of women players, so it's going to be harder." Not saying it's impossible, but harder. You know, but. It's the same reason the black number has to be over 13%, the national number, because there's so many black players. But it's not just being a player that gets you there. It's being a experienced coach that gets you to be a head coach. Thus, that's where the pipeline has to start. Well, and, and Becky Hammond, in, formerly in the NBA, now coaching in the WNBA, is she went to the WNBA so she could get that head coaching experience because people were saying that's the only thing she lacked for being a, an NBA head coach. And it's like, well, how can I ever get that experience if no one ever lets me be a coach? But there's no, but there's no woman's football, right? That's right. So that makes it even more difficult. Mackenzie, I'm going to give you a, a closing thought here. If you got one. Uh, sorry, I don't. All right, uh, I, 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 we, convinced, we've convinced I, him. Well, let me say this, Brian oh, Flores. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Sorry, I, you were, I, I know what you were doing. You were looking up some number you wanted to beat me over the head with, and then you got caught. But okay, I'll give you the last one. Go Brian ahead. Flores, like Mike Tomlin, ridiculous. Never lost a season. Brian Flores is almost as ridiculous. Sixty-four percent ATS. I don't think anyone's ever done that ever, and he won't be hired. He's literally beat expectations more than anyone ever has. Well, and he couldn't get a job. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people are going to say, and Clay Travis said on Twitter today, as I was looking around, I saw it. Well, if there's, ra- if, if there's racism against Flores from Miami, why did they hire him to start with? Now, at first blush, I thought, man, that's an interesting point. But then I read the comments, and someone had a slam dunk on it. And I'm going to tell you what they said because it really negates that point be sure to catch live editions of straight out of vegas weekdays at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific fox sports radio 
He's RJ. I'm, R- I'm AJ Hellman. He's the voice of Vegas. RJ he's Bell. He's got sorry. a code, everyone. He's got a code, everyone. I'm sorry. Let's give him a break. He's got he's, little. What, what kind of medicine you take? Uh, Sudafed, the, okay. the 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 kind you got to ask the pharmacist for. Let's just say this: when you're in your 60s and you start slowing down, you're not going to be near as interesting. Fair. Okay, so here's the answer, and and I found that this is I, someone on Twitter made a great point. So the question was, and this came from Clay Travis, formerly of Fox Sports Radio, saying, "Hey, if the Miami Dolphins ownership is racist, why hire a black guy to start with?" And the person on Twitter, I don't recall the name because at the time it, it didn't strike me how how sharp this was. They said, well, wait a minute. If you are racist, a little bit even, let's say a little bit racist, you're thinking we want to lose. How do we lose? We hire a black head coach because the racist mind, it's, he's not going to win as much. And then after they lose enough to get the good draft choices, when things are starting to look good, it's like, hey, how much did he lose? Look, you're out of here. And lo and behold, you've got that off your back in a way because now you hire a white coach for the winning and no one's going to complain because you just had a black coach that lost. Now, that is brilliant. Not saying it's good. Like, like Lex Luthor was brilliant. But if that were the case, I, you know, I can't tip my hat to him. But it's like it kind of would explain it, wouldn't it? I, and that's happened, I think, a couple times in Houston where I, where I was at. The, the Astros did it with Bo Porter before they got good. Well, the, we'll say allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, you could make an argument that it looked that way. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but they hired Bo Porter when the Astros were, had no chance of winning games. They said, you're the guy in charge of this. And, of course, he didn't win. He's gone. Now, David Culley, you're in charge of winning games. He actually exceeded expectations. Except the contract they gave Culley, not, that wasn't no, smart at all. That was made not like, smart. what, $27 million or $22 seven? million. I oh, think. my gosh. And last thought on, on this part of it. If Hugh Jackson got paid for losing, he's rich. Good for him. He was <laughs> he good at that. Hey, maybe he shouldn't <laughs> complain all that much. All right. <laughs> all right. When we come back, we're going to talk about that $100,000 bounty and give you an update on the Super Bowl. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas, wrapping up the Flores talk and with the... Uh, lawsuit specifically and I think what we really have touched on and thank you Mackenzie and AJ today is that all reasonable people all feeling people want the fairness and I think one out of 32 black head coaches is not fair that's the starting point of the conversation we can keep saying that we can act like we're righteous by saying that I decided let's talk about where we can find some middle ground and I think that my idea, AJ, you loved of saying, hey, we can't really dictate head coaches because every team is their own team, but we can dictate over five years having a certain number of years of minority coaching because that gives you enough, it's like 60 years over five years, you know, five years, 60 years of coaching if there's 12 coaches, let's say. 
now it's starting to be enough numbers. If you're way below what it should be, then it's on you at that point. Because you can't say you can't find any good black. You might say, hey, and look, listen, I don't like the Giants for anything, really. But you think about it. If you get hired from Buffalo... And you've been waiting with this coordinator, like talking at night, saying, "When I'm a GM, you're going to be my coach." Yeah, you probably shouldn't have announced. You shouldn't have got out there beforehand. But you can't make someone say, "No, you got to hire someone you don't know." I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. But, but so each individual decision is can be considered okay. But collectively, they're not okay. And that's the paradox. And I do think by looking at not head coaches, but coaches, and giving teams five years to have a certain number of minority years, I think that's a bar that's reasonable. And I'm not saying it's the perfect answer, but boy, I think it addresses the problem. These individual teams are owned by the individuals. Now, the other part's the 100,000. To me, this is why I've so carefully talked about when we say tanking, they're tanking, they're tanking. Here's the definition to me. If a team is deferring compensation or assets or value to future years, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, any trade that you trade an asset now, like Denver effectively was tanking if you want to say they did a move that makes them worse this year by trading Von Miller. But the theory was they got a second and third, they're, they're getting ample value in the future, and thus they're deferring value. That I have no problems with. I have no problems with playing younger players because you want to see how good they are. Now, you, you can't bench a clearly superior player, but I think Aaron towards young, I think that's fine. Trading future, for future things, I think that's fine. But everyone who's participating in the game has to try their hardest to win. And to incentivize the coach, to, if allegedly, to lose strikes at the heart. This is this is effectively game manipulation. And with billions being bet on the NFL, it could be jail time. It's jail time stuff. Yeah, is this now is this a situation like the NBA where they made an example of Donald Sterling and said we're not going to allow this, you're out. Period. Well, you know, that was something where Sterling was a known racist for a long time, or a known real problem for a long time. Uh, you know, racist I think was pretty much the common feeling and they still didn't want to get rid of him, and they had. And, and again, let's give Sil- uh, Commissioner Silver credit; he was bold there. What I'm going to say here is this: if this is discovered to be correct, true, I think we're talking about a criminal matter. I will say this, and I've given the NFL credit for different things. They get no credit for blanketly denying every accusation in the lawsuit within hours of it being filed. How could they have investigated that? I get that they're advocates, but man, that that was a bad look. If you missed any of today's show, including our... Go ahead. RJ's would, breakdown of how maybe to fix the problem in the and, NFL, and which I agree the with. Best idea you've heard. I, it is a good, a great idea. That. Best. Check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We're gonna be back tomorrow with more good ideas and winners. By the way, Rams minus four and a half. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas. Back tomorrow. Straight out of Vegas. <laughs> 